Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talked to Jason Warlman, Global Director of Healthcare and Life Sciences at UiPath, about how automation is helping with COVID vaccination rollouts. And now, on to the interview. This is Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH, and I'm joined today by Jason Warlman, Global Director of Healthcare and Life Sciences at UiPath. How's it going, Jason? Very good, Jay. Thank you for inviting me today. Oh, thanks for uh, for coming on. And wanted to talk today about automation and the vaccine rollout. Um, mm. But first off, I wanted to have you sort of tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for uh, UiPath. Happy to. So uh, again, Jason Warman, thank you for having me on. Uh, you know, uh, UiPath is a, a global automation software company. Uh, a lot of people may or may not know about what automation is and what it does for the enterprise. But here at uh, at our organization, we, we take commitment and pride in our point of view around specific industries. And my team focuses on that global view uh, around public and commercial healthcare in the United States, in the other global regions, as well as uh, life sciences, especially during clinical trials right now. So my team, uh, a little bit of uh, consulting, a little bit of uh, subject matter expertise, uh, a lot of evangelism, and uh, making sure that the end, the end uh, constituent being the patient or the member is uh, getting the max benefit and value out of our platform. Great. Well, here we are, we're, we're talking in, uh, you know, in March and you know, I wanted to get your take on sort of how the vaccine distribution and rollout is going so far. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's an interesting thing, right? So when we look back at uh, at when we were doing testing a year ago, which was a year ago already, um, there was a lot of uh, scenarios around bridging gaps of data, right? Uh, interoperability concerns, uh, being able to to address some programmatic issues where you know our, our health organizations are really good at building programs but they're tasked with delivering quality of care adding tasks become difficult when you have to add search resources and we saw a lot of uh, a lot of issues come out of that a, a year ago and of course we recovered and organizations adapted and now we have vaccination rollout and we saw a lot of the same issues come up uh, within these health organizations. This time they were able to plan a little bit, which, which is fantastic. And of course you had a plan coming into this, but there's a lot of uncertainty. So they, 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 they were able to adapt to that change as best as possible, but with this daily uncertainty and kind of the change in requirements from the federal government for the different state-based uh, uh, health services, uh, they, they kind of did some of this on the fly. And definitely the standardization of that rollout was different state by state by state. So I feel overall for what they had to work with, they did quite well in comparison to other countries. But of course, there there is always a, a lot of opportunity to improve the way data is being shared, uh, bringing more transparency to the rollout, and, and of course, managing that surge of, of resources. Uh, I always say, how do you handle the volume of everyone? I mean, this is a global pandemic, right? Every single person in the world is being impacted by this. Uh, that's that's just an order of magnitude that our health services uh, in the U.S., let alone globally, have have ever dealt with. And yeah, and you mentioned sort of the you know the global aspect. H- have you seen it uh, working uh, 
better in other countries in terms of distribution and rollout? Not necessarily. I think uh, those countries that you hear, of course, on the news um, saying we, we're doing this, we have more more patients or, or more population covered, a lot of them learned from the beginning of COVID where they were distributing tests, where they had to aggregate PPE distribution, right? Mm -hmm. When we started wearing masks, when they started wearing gowns, they really built a, a good supply chain around that, where in the US we were still very fragmented in the way that we were managing that because a lot of it was at the private level uh, with the hospitals, right? So when we brought it back into our health systems and our HHSs, they, they really they really didn't know how to handle that where other countries already had a good uh, platform around that. So, um, you know, from a distribution, they, they, they have a little bit better planning um, and they were able to scale it up quickly because they just didn't have the concern of trying to figure out where to get people to drive these processes. Plus, I guess, you know, we have the problem being a large country and having 50 states with 50 different, you know, state governments and processes that, you know, you, you know, there's only so much you can do on a federal level and then it comes down to the state level. And, you know, obviously there's various levels of efficiency as you go from state to state, right? Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's 50 variations of the process and there's another level. It, it's the state down to the, to the hospital, mm -hmm. right? So um, uh, it's really a, a, an inverted triangle if you really want to look at it, right? Um, and that each one of those states have a different way that they're approaching the pandemic. Uh, they have a different way that they're mandating reporting following the guidelines are important, but the way they've built that box is different. Each one has a different platform, uh, different budgets for technology modernization. And then the the bottom providers who are doing the distribution of the vaccine, uh, how they access that platform to do real-time reporting, to do compliance reporting, to do tracing for those vaccinations are, are all different by those 50 states. So a yeah. lot of complexity in the system. Um, and how does automation help uh, healthcare organizations with vaccine scheduling? Yeah, so I mean, with, with, with all those components, there, were, there was a number of resilient factors that we saw when we we're working with all those organizations. And we've definitely spoken with everyone from the federal level all the way down to the, uh, the commercial hospital level. Uh, you know, one, it's about bridging the gap in, in that reporting, right? And, and two, it's reducing that surge demand that we talked about. And your question specific around vaccination and scheduling was really the largest undertaking that these organizations had to look into. A lot of them did invest in digital front doors, and there's a lot of large EMRs that made significant investments there. So that's great, there's, there's a technology out there, but the integration of that now into the various outbound communication channels, uh, we hear omni-channel a lot, right? So doing that outreach, being able to, uh, get data from websites or, or state-based portals and load that registration, that the disconnect was definitely there. So a lot of our, our uh, customers started deploying automation to, to close that gap where there might be, you know, you hear in Florida where they're using Eventbrite, it, it, it dumps into a CSV file that you have a bunch of people doing data entry into the EMR to do the scheduling, and then they have to out, do outbound calling. So instead they're using automation to, to verge that gap. 
It's doing the data entry into the EMR system, scheduling the appointment, and then also tying up that, that call campaign to do the outbound calling to that person that made the appointment to say, we have you scheduled for Wednesday at X time, please come with this documentation. And all that satisfies a lot of the problem that we're seeing, which is how do I find the people to take care of all this work? Uh, in that exact example, um, you know, we have a customer, you know, they, they're saving about 212,000 clinical hours through those processes today. Yeah, and, and I know, like, at least I'm in Massachusetts and, you know, there's been serious issues with, you know, the the sign up website crashing, you know, basically mm -hmm. whenever they announce, you know, they they sort of started off with 75 and older could sign up and then they when they moved it to 65 and older uh, you know everybody started jumping on the website for their parents or you know or the you know exactly. themselves and it, it just crashed and it's been doing that um regularly i mean how do you kind of deal with that just sort of sudden volume all of a sudden yeah it's it's funny how the honor system works right um i think that's the application there's no way to really audit we we've talked about automating audits of of that honor system right are people really being truthful on saying that they're a certain age mm -hmm. and the reality is is the the mouse of data required and i think you just recently had a, a, a you know a, a series on data improving covid results mm -hmm. uh there just aren't a way of really auditing these mass record systems right so you really have to work on the honor system so you're right people log in and um, not only are they doing it for themselves and their family, but they're also picking every appointment that's available, hoping that they hit the jackpot and get right. the soonest. Yeah. Um, so, so automation really won't improve the uptime of those websites because that's more of a technology problem. Right, right, right. But what it does is it enables those other channels, the, the phone channel, the, the, uh, the conversational AI, right? A lot of the conversational AIs where your, your text to, to, to speak, where you're going on the web portals, automation sitting behind that as well, uh, churning the same queue and making the same appointments. So there, it's helping uh, distribute those requests so that it does balance. But more importantly, a lot of organizations are applying automation to do the audit of those requests. So people don't realize when you go to that website and you pick nine time slots across four va mass vaccination sites, you just quadrupled the number of opportunities inside their system that they're trying to balance the supply chain against. So they're heavily using automation to audit that, restrict it down to one appointment, and then letting you know that you're going to keep to that one appointment because there's no way you're going to show up to the others. Uh, I have one, one organization that has 45 people that are just doing that piece of the work through the contact center every evening four hours of overtime every day because people are, you know, rightfully trying to get themselves in for that vaccination. So there's a, a lot of that administrative work that just didn't exist before. Yeah. Um, tell me how uh, automation can improve access to portable vaccine records. So this is really uh, a, a transparency issue, right? So the federal government right now is saying, don't threat. You're getting a little paper that, that shows that you had the vaccine. But we're, we're recording this, right? There's, a, there's mandates that when you get the vaccination, you have to report it to the state within 24 hours and the state's then rolling it up and reporting to the CDC and, and to the federal government. So, you know, if it gets lost, you're covered. And this is great, 
you know, we, we, we've never had a mass vaccination solution like this before. Um, really, we haven't had, it's unprecedented, but um, you know, they, they've put a lot of thought and planning into this. However, they're not ready for that portability yet. So you're hearing about FDA, you know, uh, putting out specific guidelines. You're hearing our airlines putting out potential guidelines before you get onto a plane. The data is going to exist, but making it portable and accessible as a person is still going to be very difficult. And, that, and, it's, and, you know, we're still working through tracing right now. So where a lot of organizations are doing through that digital front door that we talked about, when you, when it, if you're already a patient of that system, your information is pretty secure and you can go back to your provider. But what if you went to the clinic or to the, uh, to the uh, pharmacy or you went to a health system that you're not a member of, they might give you an option to have that digital front door or that digital chart, but getting you to sign up and get access to it is very difficult. It's about adoption. So what a lot of organizations are doing is they're using automation to reach out to you to get you to sign up for that, that, that electronic charting system uh, so you can get access to your public health chart and then be able to make that vaccination portable. So if there is a mandate that comes through, I mean, you may even have an employer that might not let you come back into the office without proving this physically. Right. You can get access and, you know, what's the alternative? You would have to call that provider and overload the circuit or the website, just like you were talking about with inbound calls asking for a backup of that paper. Uh, that, that's, that's a large volume that a lot of health systems aren't even taking into account in their future planning right now. And you can also send out uh, reminders, right, for the second, second dose to folks. Oh, yes, definitely. Second dose, um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a CRM issue, right? Um, but those reminders are really good. But if you look at adoption rates, adoption, of those sort of things sit in the 30 to 40 percentile. Again, we're talking the population of everybody. Yeah. So when you're looking at a demographic like North New Jersey and uh, you know they're, they're pulling in 600 to 700,000 people to do mass vaccination sites and 80% of those people aren't within the health network, that 80% could potentially come back to those health systems looking for those portable records if they lose that paper. Uh, they don't have a contact center that big. Yeah. Um, speaking of mass vaccination sites, uh, I, I know in Massachusetts, um, that's sort of been the big focus is on sort of, you know, large, you know, sporting venues and, you know, and, you know, some smaller ones sort of in, you know, regionally, but how does automation help with sort of, uh, you know, running those kind of, those kind of mass sites to get people vaccinated? So what I love is the outcropping of volunteerism through this pandemic, right? It's really an aspect of the human condition that, that really has become resilient through this, is people wanting to help, people wanting to support, uh, public servants um, all the way down to private citizens. And they're coming out to support these mass vaccination sites to make sure they're, they're churning that 3,000 to 6,000 people a day. Um, of course, you have the people that are putting the needles in the arms. You have to be a clinic. I think the person sticking a needle in my arm, I want them to be a qualified physician yeah. or a clinician. But what about all the administrative work, right? I mean, it, it really is an assembly line. So right now, they're training a lot of these volunteers four to five hours to work within these electronic medical records and these, portal, these portals or using uh, tablets to take pictures and check eligibility. There's still a back-end administrative piece that has to be done 
because you do need to record a claim. Uh, some of it is billable by that health system. Um, so all this work has to be done uh, and done efficiently and fast. So where we're seeing automation deployed is on those computer systems, uh, creating uh, real easy UI interfaces, right? It's something that we pride ourselves here at UiPath that we do. And let's say there's 55 points of information you need to cross check, but there's three points of information you need to enter. Instead of doing that across multiple systems as a volunteer, I can create an easy interface that aggregates that data for check-in. I enter that data into three spots, and then the robots go do the work across those platforms. So with that, what, now what you can do is you can accelerate your volunteerism without having to worry about all this training. And more importantly, it reduces issues with quality and control. Because if they do something wrong on the front end, it's gonna be very difficult to fix on the back end, especially if that patient's getting a one-time vaccine like the Johnson & Johnson coming out, and they're not within your network. You're gonna to have to have somebody to call them, mm. do account verification, et cetera. So again, it's another outbound problem if you don't solve it on the front end. Um, and what's being done in terms of automating vaccine supply chain management? So a lot of this is about special demand and request. We saw this a lot also during uh, the, you know, the, the acquisition of PPE in other countries. Uh, it's really balancing that supply chain. The reality is, is just like you're hearing on, on, on TV and, and, our, and our president saying, by the end of May, I'm going to have enough vaccines for every single citizen in the United States. That's great. But for all the, the providers that are, you, that are distributing these vaccines and sticking them in freezers, they have to have just-in-time supply chain. And they're not going to get all the supply that they need because they ask for it. It's going to be based on allocation. So if they need it, to, if they need to fulfill 5,000 units by the end of the week, they might only be able to get access to 3,500 units. So doing that just-in-time ordering and that rebalancing is very time-consuming for these supply chain teams. So they're using automation to daily look at these supply chain websites through the different manufacturers figuring out those allocations. So the moment that that team comes in, they know exactly what they can fulfill for the day. And then if they need to fill that gap with another vac with another vaccine, they can now pursue that. Uh, we have some organizations that were spending five hours a day looking at that aspect. And then the remaining of the day trying to figure out how to fulfill the demand. Uh, now they start eight o'clock in the morning trying to figure out how to fulfill that demand. So it uh, it helps a lot with that transparency and reconnaissance of supply. Um, so obviously, you know, it's a lot going on right now. Um, we're still sort of in the thick of things in terms of getting people vaccinated. How do you see this playing out in terms of, you know, uh, automation for the next several months? Uh, you know, obviously, I think the, you know, it won't, the, the tasks that are, are crucial right now will be will have changed. Uh, you know, a few months down the road, down the road, but, you know, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, um, so what what we're finding is that there really isn't a time box, an opportunity of improving the process, right? Again, like I said, you know, it's the, the gap in reporting and the surge in resources. It's, a, it's always going to happen and every state is different and every state is in a different journey of creating a, a platform. There's some new mandates that are coming down in some federal budgeting for innovation at the state level. But um, you know, even at the, the private level, 
conversations I had at the beginning of the year in January about uh, you know even doing uh, state-based reporting, I'm still having those conversations today because they're discovering uh, issues in their tech stack on a on a daily basis. So you know, as a, as an example, just being able to report your current employee base up to the state level because a lot of states have an occupational health database that you have to keep things like vaccinations updated. There's no API for that. So building that now, that, that data entry process between your system of record and their system of record alleviates four to five people worth of work a day. And that's during the day, not, not looking at the, uh, the people working at night to make sure everything was entered and it meets their, their turnaround times and quality levels. Uh, you know, we built actually a bot that's doing a thousand line item transactions every 30 minutes for the people that they're vaccinating in their own health system. Uh, but then you look at the state requirements, some states, you know, now they're mandating a traceability of some of these vials. The APIs they built, they, they don't have that capability. So now it's syncing their supply chain uh, platform to their EMR and now back to that web portal. So you don't have a fleet of people doing reverse data entering on a daily basis. Um, and then you have the organizations that are going to get more streamlined and they're building really complex BPM workflows to manage all this in the future and start to incorporate other infection control. They're finding that although they get a lot of process, um, uh, workflow automation, which is fantastic, it doesn't, it doesn't take a next step. It doesn't take insight. It doesn't take action. If you need to do an outbound call, you know, can I automate that? So as they start to implement these heavier, long-lasting solutions, they're finding opportunity to make uh, the patient experience better or the member experience better or tying all these systems together into one unilateral experience with, uh, with automation. And, you know, we've seen over the last year, um, you know, healthcare organizations really adopting telehealth uh, technology uh, in a way that they never had before, you know, obviously because, you know, you don't want as many people coming into the facilities. So it was a, it was a good way to kind of stay in touch with patients and do, you know, kind of do non-essential uh, or, or non, uh, or things that, you know, didn't require somebody to come in, in the office. Um, has, has it been a similar path for automation where, you know, sort of this crisis is really kind of uh, forced healthcare to re adopt automation at a quicker rate than it, it had been before, or was it already kind of established? It absolutely accelerated it. Okay. Um, you know, it, I would say that prior uh, automation was seen as a transformative solution. Uh, I have a wide scale transformation program. I'm looking for levers I can pull. Automation seemed a logical application there. And a lot of our time was spent in that space. At COVID, a lot of those transformations went away and became tactical. It was more about business continuity. And then healthcare organizations that were looking at automation as a tool realized that as a platform, they can really bridge this continuity problem that they've seen. So even though it got a little tactical, what's important here is unlike a large transformation that takes months and months to build up and prove return, with automation, they were able to close those gaps in days, right? Uh, be able to build a bot in one to two days and get it into production in three to four days and be able to see productivity boosts uh, uh, within a week after that. 
there, there aren't too many technologies on the planet that can do that and with a high level of quality without impacting things like compliance. So we saw a huge um, interest in healthcare and using automation to fill that need. And then obviously, you know, whenever <laughs> we we kind of get back to some sort of normalcy, um, you know, automation, like you mentioned earlier, can be used for a number of other tasks that, you know, maybe uh, organizations aren't focusing on right now, but, you know, can sort of say, well, hey, now that, you know, we're not, we don't have to worry about vaccine scheduling and, and tracking, you know, we can use automation to do these other things. Yeah, absolutely, Jay. Uh, we do have some businesses already thinking that way, um, but a lot of them are still in the continuity path. The great thing here about automation and um, uh, specifically our, our our platform is, you know, you get that concept that people call band-aiding, right? Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, we're not band-aiding. Uh, I'd say more accurately, we're stitching. But then they go and say, well, it's a sunk cost because now I'm going to build automations to take care of something that hopefully we don't have to deal with after the pandemic. And the reality is, is one, infection control doesn't go away because COVID is one infection, right? <laughs> so it's how can I make this more enhanced to take on more than just COVID screening? And then two, if we do develop a more robust platform and they create a very integrated system, there's no sunk cost. Those robots, just like humans, get retrained and put somewhere else. So, uh, you know, the robot is just the runtime that it's software that drives us the workflows that sit behind that. And with orchestration, you can repurpose that robot in one day to do a whole set of other tasks that otherwise were just uh, executing for COVID. Uh, so I do have organizations that had bots just for COVID uh, testing needs, and now they're moving them over in the back office to do more revenue cycle management to accelerate some of this, uh, uh, you know, uh, billing that uh, otherwise fell into backlog during the COVID timeframe. Yeah, so it can basically, you know, a lot of those things that were sort of shunted off to the side because everybody, you know, was all hands on deck dealing with COVID, you can kind of turn your attention to those, you know, when, when you have the resources available to do so. Absolutely, pivot, 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 and automation does that for sure. Nice. Well, Jason, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This was very interesting. Uh, and uh, good luck uh, as we go through the next few months. Yeah, you too, Jay. Thank, thank you again and uh, really appreciate you and the PSQH community. All right, thanks. And that wraps up episode 29 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes on the show's page on psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.